I'm Denzel Mohammed, and this is Jobmakers. Recent headlines show big business taking a stand on social and political issues. From Macy's pulling Donald Trump's clothing line after his 2015 comments about Mexican immigrants, to Coca-Cola rallying against Georgia's restrictive voting law. But what if taking a stand is the basis for your business model? How does that play in the profit-driven world of American business? For Umesh Buju, who early on witnessed child labor in his homeland of Nepal, his American dream was inextricably tied to making the world a better place. So, he created a business plan that was mission-driven. Open a coffee house that sold nothing but fair trade products. In so doing, he'd be not only educating Americans about just how far their dollar can go, paying farmers respectable wages, reducing environmental impact, uplifting developing economies, but also showing that businesses can be a real part of social progress. How's that work out for him? Zumi's Coffee House is a nearly 20-year institution on the North Shore of Massachusetts. And Umesh has taken his activism to fighting for the rights of immigrants, preserving local habitats, and combating food insecurity during the pandemic, even as his own business battled the downturn, as we'll find out in this week's Jobmakers podcast. Umesh Buju, tell us a little bit about Zoomies in Ipswich, your business. Uh, Zoomies is... uh established in 2003 uh, with the uh, idea of, you know, helping in the community with uh, um, organic and fair trade coffee, providing organic and fair trade coffee. And uh, since then, you know, um, we expanded the space and uh, we have actually added a few more items that, you know, uh, not only coffee, but some other organic uh, um, um, organic um, um, food that, you know, uh, people can grab for their uh, snacks and stuff like that. Why organic and fair trade? Uh, Organic, you know, um, uh, we wanted to um, have the people uh, consume in the right type of uh, food and uh, coffee that that won't hurt, uh, that won't hamper their health in in their lifetime, uh, so that's another reason. Um, organic coffee doesn't mean that you know you have you would have to pay more. So it's not really uh, big of a difference uh, in as far as a uh, price concern. So we thought we would stay with the organic coffee instead of you know um, non-organic coffee. On top of that, you know we have uh, fair trade and a fair labor uh, practice coffee, uh, which is basically we call them uh, fair trade coffee. Fair trade coffee is basically helping the uh, coffee growers that you know we would pay right uh, right price for your uh, product, as well as you know we would participate in your local uh, projects that would require you to stay healthy, uh, such as like a health, uh, such as like a water, school buildings, and you know uh, making sure the kids uh, underage kids won't work and do the uh, forced labor. And why is that? important to you and how do you go about educating your customers about this 
I grew up in a country that, you know, where I um, have seen a um, massive amount of uh, young kids working in a field. And, uh, and some of those kids were my friends when I was growing up. And I didn't want to see that you know, happening in around the world that, you know, where we source our coffee. Uh, so forced labor was not like something that I believe or we believe. And so, and also children that, you know, we believe in their education and, uh, uh, and their health. So because of that, so when we put together our plan and our mission to establish Zoomies, we said that we would, we would not practice uh, anything but fair trade. And how have your customers received this, this notion of, of being responsible in their purchases and, and helping people who are half a world away? Well, you know, um, at the beginning, it wasn't that easy. Uh, that was 17, almost 18 years ago when we started. Uh, it was not easy. But I think uh, uh, since then, you know, after um, uh, years of our um, practicing and advocating about the fair trade and organic coffee, I think uh, they got it. We believe that they, they have been getting it. And also uh, recently, you know, uh, past few years, it's been a uh, uh, big thing about, you know, uh, environment and also um, uh, climate change. So it's a big factor, you know, uh, when people consume, you know, right thing and practice correctly, you know, uh, so it's, uh, it's helped our environment, uh, such as, you know, um, uh, not using pesticides and uh, uh, not using, uh, you know, excessive amount of water and all these things in order to do this uh, um, 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 growing uh, coffee beans, I think that's a big time, big helpful. I think uh, uh, we believe that uh, our customers uh, recently or now um, believe that they understand what we're doing and uh, they believe that environment is another factor for them to believe that it's good to have a good organic fair trade coffee. You talk about growing up seeing children working in the fields and you mentioned climate change. These are some of the things that you would have experienced firsthand growing up in Nepal. Um, describe for us what it was like growing up in Nepal. Well, you know, um, when I was in Villas, uh, my up to third grade, you know, I would have to walk, you know, 45 minutes just to get to school. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but in olden days, you know, I believe that, you know, that's just a, uh, a regular practice, you know, growing up in a, uh, in a country like Nepal, you know, that's where I'm from. Uh, so it was, uh, uh, I believe it was um, difficult uh, at that point. Uh, and now I think of that. Uh, but, you know, growing up at, uh, with that, in, in, at that uh, environment at that time, it wasn't really a big of a change for me. But, you know, now I see and where, now I visited the same place after, you know, 10, 15 years later or 20 years, 30 years later. So I see the difficulties there. I see the big change there uh, because of its all environmental factors. Uh, because of the uh, uh, not being able to, you know, um, uh, grow things in the right way because of that, you know, a lot of uh, deforestation, number one. And number two, because of deforestation, there's a, a, a problem with irrigation in the villages. 
so and landslides and a flood so it made a big impact on you know uh locals there so because that's something i have seen it so because of that so i thought you know um if we start something um in a community that we would like to practice that you know that would help not only our community but also our world and you grew up in the outdoors a lot and it reached the point where you actually became a sherpa a guide wow. uh, helping tourists to navigate mount everest is that correct that's correct that sounds um, very exciting what was that like yeah that was fun um uh, like i said you know um uh i can just only imagine imagine now you know <laughs> uh, what i was doing at that time you know i was growing up uh uh in a village from there we had to move to a new uh, place where i could go to high school and uh, after high school i decided that you know uh, i like the outdoor and i have seen the you know people from all around the world come to nepal and try to go and climb or hike so i said to myself that you know i want to enjoy that you know hike and climb uh you know why not and so i decided to go to mountain school in in in, in order to be a mountain guide so i after high school i went to mountain school then i got certified and i tr- tried to i tried that for uh three full years of you know guiding and uh with that capacity that you know i get to go a lot of uh, remote villages and mountains and i have gone up to uh 24 26000 feet high and i have climbed a few other mountains that you know high like 24000 feet so it was fun i enjoyed it and uh, uh you know uh fun is not the word i would use to describe that more like dangerous <laughs> um but uh you were young and enterprising uh climbing to 26000 feet and at some point you decided to come to the us um guide us through what the experience was like first coming here and then deciding that you wanted to 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 live here okay well you know um and there was a program called uh, i believe it still exists uh, i'm not sure because the covid and all these things happened in the past you know a few years uh, there's things called uh, the program called international camp counselor program the headquarters is based in new york city so they bring um, young kids from all around the world uh, basically i believe from uh, from 16 to 20 years old kids to be a counselor in a summer camp uh, 1990 uh which is almost 31 years ago now i applied to that program uh to be in that program so i can come to this country and teach uh young kids how to rock climb and play soccer so i was in a program i applied that program so out of uh, 500 applicants i was uh one of the 25 kids that selected after that you know i went back to nepal because uh uh because the first new england everest expedition was you know putting together their plan to go and climb mount everest so they asked me if i could go back with them and i said no problem so i had to be a guide for them so i went back uh it was uh, a good trip and then i came back to this country again because because i wanted to uh, do another uh, uh program where i could teach rock climbing and soccer again then after i decided to go to a university or college so i started with a community college then i transferred to boston university then uh, rest of the history after that i met my future wife and 
Um, then one day I got laid off from my local uh, job I was doing uh, after 9-11. And then I uh, put together a business plan to start the coffee house that, you know, I always wanted to open uh, with my wife, future wife. <laughs> so you say you always wanted to open this. Was entrepreneurship something that sort of ran in your family or was it a bug that you picked up while you were here in the U.S.? Well, you know, um, uh, uh, ran in a family, which is uh, in, 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 a, in a way it is true. Uh, my grandfather and grandparents, they ran the uh, um, or small retail shop uh, in a village. Uh, so that's something they have done, uh, but my father never done uh, anything like that. But, you know, I always wanted to do something, you know, um, when I was in college and when I was, uh, when I came to this country, I always brought, you know, a bunch of stuff that souvenirs from Nepal and I would do, you know, I would sell that on the street uh, whenever I can in between my breaks um, at school. Um, so I have done that and I always liked the whole idea of, you know, selling things. Um, you know, whether it's about, you know, uh, souvenir or something else, you know. <laughs> what was it in you that made you, you know, go out on the street and sell stuff and find farmers markets and, and be so enterprising? What, what was it about you or what, what was it about the experience of being an immigrant that, that allowed you to do that? Well, you know, um, you know one thing uh, I, I know that I like uh, seeing people. Uh, I'm not a desk uh, behind a desk person. So I always, you know, when I was in Nepal, I always guide, you know, I always with people telling stories, learning from them. And uh, um, also, you know, um, uh, when I came to this country, I'm still want to be with people. So that, you know, helped me be out there with people, you know, talking to people and, you know, so learning from them and, blend in this community that, you know, uh, the world that, you know, I, I'm experiencing first time at that time. Now, you once uh, said to the press that you uh, firmly believe in, in free enterprise and that people should be allowed to run their businesses how they want to. Um, and yet your business model is focused a little bit differently. Um, so some people have a perception that businesses in the U.S. are, are just driven excessively by, by profit, as opposed to what you are doing, which is a lot more human, humanistic and community driven. Um, what would you say to other business owners uh, who are skeptical of your approach to running Zoomies? Well, you know, um, uh, I consider myself, uh, I would say, maybe a social enterprise, uh, you know, uh, considering some other businesses where it's profit oriented. And this is more, you can still make a profit. You can still do a good job, a uh, good business. Uh, so uh, if for me, uh, being in a community that, you know, serving and also helping, uh, it goes, uh, it goes, uh, you know, um, hand in hand. Uh, it goes, you know, together. Uh, so I believe that, you know, uh, if you are, um, if you want to be in a community and if you want to help uh, help community, I think it's not only your um, you're looking at the bottom line of your business. You know, you really have to give it give it back to the community. Uh, that's something I believe, and that's from something we have been doing, and it's been working out the best, uh, working out well for us. 
uh, in that sense, you know, um, earlier we talked about you know, climate change and all these things, not only the area that, you know, uh, where we get our coffee from is uh, having difficulties. Difficulties right here. We have a drought in Ipswich, you know, uh, not long ago, and still we are having a problem with uh, not being able to use the 100% of our water. Uh, so uh, we, we are not getting enough water in, a, uh, in the river uh, because of not having a, enough rainfall. So all these things are matter for us uh, because, you know, uh, not only for Zoomies, you know, we use uh, almost like a 90 plus percent of water in order to, you know, run the business because the coffee, you know, made out of water. <laughs> so it's not only for that, but, you know, also for consumption of water for humanity is uh, bigger than anything else. Now, over the decades, you've been given, giving back to your community of Ipswich as well as, you know, places far flung, you know, sending food to Zaire and, and helping people in Nepal, um, helping people impacted by climate change or natural disaster, uh, responding to the moment, you know, even in COVID times, you've been helping out with food um, insecurity in Ipswich. Um, your community involvement has extended to several different areas and you mentioned conservative um, environmentalism being one of them. There was also a movement several years ago to make Ipswich a sanctuary town um, and to protect the immigrants who live there. Um, what was that experience like and what role did you play? And why, why, why was something like this important to you and the rest of the community? More than two thirds voted for it, right? Right. Well, you know, um, I, I won't credit, uh, give a credit 100% to me, but there was a group of um, a local community uh, members, the local leaders that, you know, uh, they approached me to be in this group. Uh, and uh, so because of the uh, type of uh, business I run, uh, which is, you know, uh, I see uh, all different uh, groups of people, uh, different uh, people from different backgrounds. And uh, I just happened to know uh, immigrants that, you know, um, uh, uh, immigrants population that uh, who doesn't carry the paper, uh, proper paperwork. And uh, because of that, uh, so um, it was easier for me to understand from the uh, immigrants that who doesn't have a paperwork and understand their story and why they are here without the paperwork and why it's important for them for for them for for them to be here uh and all these uh factors um allowed me to advocate uh for this cause and uh so and uh we went ahead and did what we did in order to have them uh stay safe in the area and uh, we also found uh, places where they could uh, stay safe if it's needed, if it's uh, if they ever uh, get harassed by you know uh, people they don't want to see, uh, harassed by you know um, uh, uh, people that you know who would uh, make it difficult for them to stay around. It is, however, a difficult issue when we look at it politically and on the national level. Um, a lot of your journey has been talking to people and educating people, not just about fair trade coffee and what, it, what that means, but your own story. Um, if there was one thing that you could, pro you could tell America about immigrants um, 
something that is important, something that you think is left out of the conversation, uh, what would it be? So we have a massive amount of uh, uh, people from in South America and you know uh, Latin America come to this country. I think uh, we are so close to these countries, and if we build this infrastructure there, I think um, and uh, uh, create more jobs there, I think it would be a uh, way to uh, uh, better off, uh, uh, you know, than what we have, what what's happening right now. Umesh, thank you so much for making the time yeah. for this. I really enjoyed talking with you. And thanks again for your support, and thanks for having me. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and at the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for today's inspiring story of another immigrant entrepreneur. If you know someone we should talk to, or if you'd like to be a sponsor, email Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. Leave us a review. I'm Denzil Mohammed. Join us next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers podcast. Thank you.